You are listening to Baking Boss Kitchen Secrets with Naomi Rose, the food business talk show that shares with you the reality of what's happening in the food and hospitality industry. I am on a mission to help as many people as possible grow and build successful food businesses. Each week on this podcast, you'll get useful information, top tips, as well as what's really happening in the kitchen behind the scenes. Let's get on to today's show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's Baking Boss Kitchen Secrets podcast. It is Naomi here, and it's great to have you listening in. I always like to hear from you, so let me know what you think of the podcast. It'd be really great to get your feedback. Drop me an email at naomi at bakingboss.net. Or come and give me a follow. I'm on all the socials. I am Baking Boss. And I also have a group on Facebook for baking business owners. So it'd be great to have you there as well. It's called the Food and Baking Business Owners Group. You can find it from my page or my link. So do come in. It'll be great to see you in there. And it's a it's a great place because I don't want it to be somewhere where you feel like you can't ask questions or some of the groups I've been in, some people can be really quite quite difficult about some of the comments that go on in there. And I don't want it to be about that. This is about sharing and learning from each other. So that's what this group is set up. We're here to support each other. Hospitality, baking business world is a bit of a roller coaster. We just want everybody to do well. That is what we want. We want to support and really see the hospitality industry grow and thrive. And the only way we're going to do that is by learning from each other's experiences and sharing, being able to be supportive to each other. So do come on in. It'll be really great to have you there. If there's stuff you want to know more about, ask questions. This is what this group is there for. These are some of the really great minds that are already working in the industry or just about to start in the industry. So come and ask your questions in there because it's great to ask questions. There is no such thing as a stupid questions. I ask lots of questions all the time because I always want to know more and learn. So today I am going to be talking about what products to sell in your baking business and how to avoid wastage. So the reason I've chosen to talk about this today is because I am an ideas person. I have hundreds of recipes running around in my head constantly. I will think of one thing I want to bake and I'll get in the kitchen and then I'll go and bake something else. But when it came to actually working out what to bake for my business, I had to start thinking in a slightly different way because it wasn't just me baking for me and uh, my husband and my friends and family and Ultimately, they would get what they were given. This was actually thinking about what my customers might actually want and what would sell well. So I had to think of it in a very different sort of way. And it was a real challenge to narrow down exactly what products to sell. So I had a cafe, bar and bakery. I set it up on the basis that we will be making everything home cooked. It was about home cooking. So we didn't start with the bakery. The bakery came in two or three years later, but we started baking bread after the first, I think, 18 months. During the COVID, the pandemic, we started introducing bread when we reopened again after the lockdown. We'd been making all our own home cooked goods for quite some time. And it was actually quite it was a real challenge to figure out exactly what we were going to open with and what would work really well. How did I kind of get started? Where did I go when you're opening the doors for the first time? What we actually did. So when I say we, I'm talking about me and my core team. So I had some of my core staff that were with me throughout the whole of my Elsie Mays journey. We sat down and I've got a photo of us actually sitting around the little coffee table before this was about three weeks before we'd actually opened. And we started mapping out what 
products or what food or what things people might actually enjoy. And when it came down to it, we thought, actually, let's start really simply. Let's do some real crowd-pleasing cakes and bakes that people would enjoy making. So the traditional for Victoria sponges, brownies, a flavoured cake of some sort. So we went with lemon, I think it was. So we kind of picked out what we thought people might want. And of course, the other element of that is you don't exactly know how much you're going to need to make to begin with, because it's going to be a learning curve. Where we actually started was we wrote down all of the ideas. So we wrote down everything that we had in the top of our mind and then we started to narrow it down because it wasn't just about necessarily what the customer wanted because obviously we need to bake what they wanted, but we also had to be realistic on what we could achieve in the time frame in our kitchen. So there was a lot more thought that actually went behind it. So what we did was we planned out everything that we could possibly bake and wrote that down. We put on the menu to start with really simple stuff that we can make quite easily within our capacity, within our space, because it's not just about timings. Even though you think, well, I've got time to do this, this and this and this. Actually, you've then got to think about the storage. So how are you going to store everything? Is there going to be space to make all of this? When you start baking things and you've got things to cool and you've got kind of surfaces taken up, suddenly you're actually changing how you work because you're having to work around all the products that are sort of sitting around your kitchen. And that was certainly for us because we had a very small kitchen to begin with. We didn't have much space at all. So when we came to actually making afternoon high teas, so the ones that are on the three tiered stands, we were juggling space around our kitchen trying to put these stands everywhere. In the end, we actually ditched the stands because it was just not practical from a business sense to try and get that sort of side of it to work with all these different stands around the kitchen when you're trying to still run a full service. So we started by writing everything down and then narrowing down some of the classics. We thought we'd start with the classics and then we can expand out from there. And we kind of had a bit of a guesstimate of how much we would need to open with on the counter. If you've got a home baking business, of course, this is a bit of a different setup because if you're making cakes to order, You could probably have a guess at the kind of classic flavours that people might like and put those sort of as availabilities. But always just bear in mind that everything you add in extra into your bakes, so take a classic Victoria sponge and then you start adding in extras, it's all going to cost more as well. And there could be particularly like fruit cakes. They might take a bit longer to make because you might want to soak the dried fruits in that. So it's all about thinking about where the end point is and working backwards. So when do you need the cake done by or when do you need the bread done by and working backwards to work out what timings you have and what's your capacity and always allow more for capacity. So that is kind of where we started. As we sort of grew, we started asking our customers more and listening to what people asked for. So when we opened, we we thought, well, we'll do a, we'll have a gluten-free cake because we knew that gluten-free or in our case it was made without gluten because we couldn't say our kitchen was completely gluten-free because we had wheat in it so you have to say legally it's made without gluten realize that people kept asking for vegan we thought okay so actually now we know we need at least one regular cake which is 
got wheat and dairy in it. We need one cake that doesn't have any gluten in it and we need one cake that is also vegan or a bake of some sort to accommodate for our customer base. After a little bit of learning and practicing, those were what we tried to make sure were on the counter. And we also included this in our scones as well. So scones we knew was a big thing for us. It was something that was very popular in our local town. And we wanted to make sure we had the full variety of scones that people like, which was fruit, plain and cheese. And then also a gluten-free and vegan version because we actually got asked for those quite regularly. It kind of had this kind of range of standard bakes and cakes that we had. There was absolutely no problem with serving them week in, week out because people like familiarity. That is what we know. We are creatures of habit. I have the same breakfast every morning and I love it every day. Just remember that people come in and they want the same things over again. And we learned this about our customers over time. So we had customers that would come in, order the same coffee and pick out the same cake or flapjack or a scone. And then we started introducing other things in there as well. So like we had scones of the week, which were very popular, which means we could just have a little bit of creativity and play about with different stuff. And the fact that people knew that we're going to have a new scone of the week flavour meant they came back every week because they wanted that scone of the week or they'd come and collect it because we would do takeaway. So it became quite a feature of introducing that. Still had our standard fruit, plain and cheese, because we knew they were popular and they work. But we also then had the scone of the week if people wanted to have something a little bit different and try something a bit new, because sometimes people do. So it was really good to have that mix of bakes and cakes because we had I had a cafe we needed a full menu so I'll talk about menus in another podcast episode because there is so much more that goes on to a menu than actually the design and what products you and what food you actually put on the menu it's quite an in-depth process but we created just to give you a really quick overview we created us what I call the smart menu so this was looking at maximizing a few really key seasonal and base ingredients to create several different dishes. We did, like I said, we did not have a big kitchen. We were a small cafe and I was really keen, as were my team, to make sure we minimised on wastage. We did not like wastage. And of course, when you're cooking things fresh, you have a limited time as to how long they're able to stay fresh for. So in most cases, it was three days. So we always had that sort of very much in the back of our mind of, if we're kind of getting to a sort of the end of the three days, we probably actually would let something run out and say we sold out rather than try and make another batch because we didn't like the waste. And it actually wastage costs more than actually selling a product and having stuff left over. So what I did was we kind of planned the smart menu. So it was based around the space we had in the kitchen, the operation. So how quickly can we serve customers? How fast can we get the food out from order to table how easy is it to then work in a space with these different orders going on because like I say we had a small kitchen we had one flat grill and we had two small ovens and a microwave so it was a very small space to work in and we need to make sure that we could operationally deliver in a reasonable time without having a whole long menu of different dishes that just were not feasible to do on a small team of staff again and it came to the same with the cake so Often with things like the cakes and everything, we would do those first thing in the morning because trying to make a cake when you're running a service at the same time is a complete nightmare. So again, it was thinking about all of the timings, thinking about what the capacity was and thinking about what else is going on in the kitchen. So it was a real thinking of the big picture thing. 
like I said, we introduced a bakery later on, which I've not really talked about. With the bakery, what we also did, and we also did this for cakes as well, we actually allowed to take pre-orders because that really helped us work out exactly how much bread we would need to make on any one given day. And we had very much a cutoff of when those orders could come in by because certainly with something like sourdough, we started at least three days before making it. So we started actually feeding the start of the day before that sometimes. So we had had to have quite a strict cutoff period of when we could take orders for certain types of bread. People could come in and collect it on the day because we'd always have like a base level, but we always encouraged the pre-orders because it really helped us plan out exactly how much capacity we would need. And the other thing we started to introduce as well, where we could on certainly some things like some of the prep and everything like that was actually batching. So we would try and batch as much of our prep as possible. So if we were having to make one thing, we would try and do a couple of different things at the same time just to try and save that time. So it's really thinking hard about the operations as well as what the customers might want. We always try and ask the customers, what do you want? Was everything okay? Let us know what you think. And they would give us feedback. We had built a very good rapport with the majority of our customers. And we, you always get that question at the end of a service, how was everything for your meal? Or, Or on the whole, if not, I seriously recommend if you've got a cafe or a restaurant or a coffee shop or whatever to ask, because that simple question is really, really helpful for a bit of insight or finding out if something was wrong or not. And on, you know, most people say everything is fine. I am, if someone asks me that question, I genuinely want to know the answer. If I get asked it, if I go out to a restaurant or if I go out to a coffee shop and says, is everything okay? I will give honest feedback if I say something's not quite right. Because sometimes you don't necessarily always realise when it's gone out the kitchen that something that's not quite right or something that's gone wrong. It's just one of those things that sometimes just happens and then goes awry. And it's always better to tell people in person because then the business can actually correct the mistakes there and then and get it sorted. So it really just does help kind of manage their expectations of what the customer is thinking. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be rude about it. There's nothing wrong with feeding back what you thought. You don't have to feel bad for telling something that you didn't enjoy it or you think there should be some sort of change. It's purely your opinion and they can do that what what they want with it but if you don't share what you're thinking they're having you know the business has to guess so it's a really great thing that if always ask for that customer opinion so you can actually get that genuine feedback and we were our customers were very honest with us and it was really helpful because they would say yeah not sure on that scone flavor this week or oh yeah I really like that one that was a really good one are you going to be bringing back this cake anytime soon or yeah I'm not sure about the texture on that gluten-free cake because if you make gluten-free bakes sometimes the texture can be a bit funny and getting that right so we'd get all of those comments back which meant we could learn and do something better and they would still come back <laughs> they, they might not have enjoyed everything but they would still come back because they trusted us they believed in the business when it comes to thinking about what you want to bake for your business I would really start by just writing everything down Maybe if you're doing it for your local town, doing a market and you're just doing a bit of research, if you're getting into the business, just go and find out what people might like. Just if there's a Facebook group for your local community or even if there's like a little networking event, just go there and find out what people would like or what they would enjoy. 
I always thought that they wanted something a bit different. People want something a bit different because I always like stuff a bit different. Actually, as it transpires, people want the, the, the older faithful stuff. They want the stuff that they, they know and like more often than not, rather than the slightly out there different dishes that sort of push the boundaries, particularly when you're working in a bakery or a coffee shop. Certainly with the bakery, it was stuff like the cinnamon rolls that would always sell really roll well, or the cruffins, because, well, cruffins, for those that don't know, is a croissant cross between a muffin that is basically lots of butter and lots of sugar. You know, it, what's not to love about it? But they always used to sell really well, and they would know they would only get those on Saturdays because they took a, they took a lot of work to sort of make. So we kind of had those as, this is come in first thing on Saturday if you want to get these products. And that's how we worked it. So that would really encourage people to come in first thing on a Saturday to come and get those bits. The other thing you can do is once you've sort of been up and running and you've been selling a few different things for a while is keep track of what's been selling. So we always had a production sheet. So we knew how much would go out at the end of the day, how much would come back in at the end of the day and how much wastage there was. So we could monitor all the different days. And we found that there were different Saturdays. You needed a lot more baits than you did on the Tuesday. But it was, we learned that over time through analysing, monitoring, making sure that we were aware of what was going out on the counter and what was selling and any feedback that might come back in. So we recorded that as well, because that was always really useful to know. So again, it was just keeping a real eye, reviewing the numbers, using the data. And then that would mean we can then improve on what we would bake, what we would then sell again. I would say actually the first sort of three months we'd start to get an idea and then it was sort of a whole year because different times of the year sell different products. So after a bit of a year, about a year, we kind of got a bit more of a sense of what was going to work well at certain points of the year as well. It was really thinking about all of those different aspects that really helped us focus on what products we needed to sell on the counter. There is no real easy way to decide when you're first opening up what you're going to sell. But what I would highly suggest is you keep it simple. Keep it realistic in your capacity because everything will take longer at the beginning because you're learning. You're learning your equipment. You're learning the process. If you're going from being a home baker to having a baking business, you're scaling up. Everything generally will take longer. As you practice and you get quicker and the process gets refined, you will then start to get a really clear idea of exactly what's going to be best to make. And like I say, ask people, ask customers and bear in mind that all the added extras you put into your cakes or your breads or anything is going to cost more. So be aware of your costs as well, because it's not just about the costs of your products is also the cost of how long it takes you to make it. So just be very aware that when you're costing up everything, what has exactly gone into making that. And I can talk about pricing on another episode because it's one that people really struggle with sometimes. Our best sellers were definitely always the sourdough. The sourdough always sold really well, as well as granary bread. Um, and that was a yeasted bread rather than a sourdough. Cake wise, it was Gluten-free carrot cake used to do really, really well. That was always really popular, as well as lemon. Lemon was always a winner. Anything with chocolate in it, that always did pretty well. And then on the menu, fruit, oh, and also fruit and cheese scones, they were a winner with our customers. They used to love those, and we used, they were huge. We used to have huge scones because we didn't believe in small. And then on the menu, it was breakfast, brunch, eggs was a always a top seller with us. Anything poached, fried, scrambled. People always wanted the eggs, uh, full English breakfast. So brunch, 
items were very popular, as well as Welsh rarebit crumpets. But again, we monitored the stats, we looked at the numbers and we got feedback. So that's how we refined what then we kept on selling and how we sold it over again and kept doing specials every now and again to give people a bit of a difference and see if they work. That was today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you're enjoying these podcasts, but it'll be really great to hear what you think or if there's a specific topic that you would like some more information on because I'm always happy to share what's useful. Remember, come and join me in my Facebook group, Food and Baking Business Owners Club. It'll be great to see you in there. And also give me a DM on I Am Baking Boss. Follow me on the socials and give me a message at naomi at bakingboss.net. Tell me about a bit more about your business and if I can help you. So I do work one-to-one with clients because I really want you to get the best out of your business. So come to my website, bakingboss.net, where you can see links on the different ways you can work with me. I have some really quick and easy packages that you can use, or you can work with me on a slightly longer term basis. I hope you have a great week. I'll be back again next week for another episode of the Baking Boss podcast. In the meantime, as ever, happy baking. Thank you for listening to Baking Boss Kitchen Secrets with Naomi Rose. If you're enjoying this podcast, then please do give it a review. And don't forget to subscribe and follow. If you want to get some useful resources, then do visit my website, bakingboss.net. And give me a follow on social media at Naomi Rose Baking Boss and I am Baking Boss. We'll see you on the next episode.